welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast, our guest. This week truly is the people's champion, Mike Wozniak. Mike Wozniak has been a terrific comedian, actor, writer, podcaster, all-round good egg for many a year, beloved on the circuit. Every His nickname, if we can overshare, is Woz. Everybody <laughs> loves Woz. Tim, there are a few acts as popular on the circuit as Woz. He might be the comedian's comedian. <laughs> Just, he is so charming. He's a proper green room king. Someone you want in every green room because he's just so much, so much joy, brilliant anecdotes, little bit of gossip if if you so wish. He is perfect on and off stage. That's what I'm going to say. I'll tell you what, as ever, Tim Lewis, as ever, the football, it's come to him 30 yards out and he's pinged it, he's, he's curled it into the top corner. Absolutely. So our relationship with Wozniak, so Woz... We did a Brixton gig. We did a few in Brixton at the POW years ago. And I remember was roofing this gig. I'm going to say seven years ago. Anyway, there's a nice picture of, of was and myself. He, he looks exactly the same as he does now, uh, i.e. a billion dollars. He, he looks wonderful. Anyway, what then happened, Wozniak, to the uninitiated, Mike Wozniak, went on Taskmaster a few seasons ago. And I mean, Tim, I, I feel like the, the comedy world was changed forever. The, 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 the term star making does not do it justice. Not maybe not since I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a, a star making uh, performance. Steve McQueen in The Great Escape is always my go to because that's one of the most iconic who the heck is that guy? acting performances that, that I've ever seen. And, and McQueen went from uh, a well-respected but largely unknown actor to a, a bona fide movie star for the 1963 John Sturgis-directed classic. And and so proved the case with, with Wozniak and Taskmaster. Now, Tim, you are, you are Johnny Taskmaster. And at the risk of Oh gosh, Tim! At the risk of upsetting everyone who's been on Taskmaster, can I can I say this on the pod? You you would say Mike Wozniak is the number one person in the history of Taskmaster. I I hate to say it. Well, I don't hate to say it. I love to say it. I think I think he is. I think he just the number one example of someone understanding the assignment knowing their role on that show immediately. And it looks like others may agree as well, because he's now, of course, in the little Alex Horn role in the junior Taskmaster. Tim, what, Tim, once again, the man of the match bottle of Barclays bubbly on its way to, that was a 90s reference, on its way to Tim Lewis. You're absolutely correct. It's a phrase that has popped in the past couple of years, that the, the kids very much say they understood the assignment. And I would say that I would say that Wozniak on Taskmaster is probably the number one example of that phrase. Absolutely nailed it. And you could just with each passing week, Tim, you could just feel the 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 the, the tidal wave of love just get bigger and bigger. 
We talk about the Taskmaster bump. We talk about it on this episode, in fact. It's hard to think of anyone who's nailed Taskmaster in a way that dear old Wozniak has. Yes, and so it it, it brought us pure joy because you, you, you know that the dude offstage is a stone-cold gentleman. And so to see, you know, the, it's a cliche, isn't it? You want good things to happen to good people. And that, that I would say was a classic case. And so Wozniak ends up doing, Tim, I'm going to say more than 20 works in progress <clears throat> ahead of his barnstorming Zeusa tour. And this run of, of previews, work in progress shows that he did with us, Tim and I talk about this a lot. These were among the happiest days of our lives because uh, every Monday and Tuesday, so he was picked a, a Monday and a Tuesday each month and he would schlep. I mean, I think, Tim, I think it's a good three or four hour drive. He would come over, do these previews and go back home. And it was a different audience each time. And he just machine gunned it every single time. A phenomenal comedian, phenomenal storyteller, so likable. Um, yeah, an, an, an absolute diamond, a prince. Uh, uh, and, and Tim, I mean, you're, you're the same as me, aren't you? This, this run of 20, 20 plus shows, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was the, they truly were halcyon days. Yeah, it was, it was that sort of thing that I don't get to see that often. I'll normally see a couple of previews off a show. In this situation, I saw, well, yeah, as you say, I've probably seen Mike Wozniak Zusa more than anyone else on earth, genuinely. <laughs> what a what a claim, but I think it's true. <laughs> um and I got to see it worked on twice a month minimum for almost a whole year. I got to see the very beginning of that show and I've got to see the tour version of that show. It's an astonishing privilege. And Tim, it, it was one of those shows that the, even the very first work in progress was essentially I mean, it was it was it was it was essentially a perfect preview, but then he just gradually built on it, and then over the course of these twenty plus shows, by the end of it, the you know Zusa, that we we knew that he, what he was taking on tour was a very special show. Yeah, it felt like a show, if I may say so. It felt like a show he wa- had wanted to do for a while, and as a result of being so brilliant on Taskmaster, he had this audience where he could sell out a UK tour immediately. It was incredible. And then also what I would say is if you enjoy uh, a ruddy good comedy exclusive like we do, this particular episode, it's blooming crammed with them. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you need more wars in your life, if you Google three bean salad podcast, there is a veritable comedy treasure trove of, I nearly said podcastery. What am I talking Ooh, about? No, I like that. No, I, <laughs> mate, that will keep me awake tonight. Um, Three Bean Salad, a podcast from comedians Mike Wozniak, Henry Packer, and Benjamin Partridge. Each week, the Three Beans tackle a different theme. Now, Tim, the three of them, that is a holy trinity of comedy, isn't it? Three of the funniest people you'll ever come across. Henry Packer, as Josh Widdicombe picked, he might be the first comedian ever picked on the podcast, which is fun fact. He's not. It's Susie Ruffle. But Henry Packer is the second comedian to ever be picked on the podcast. Great bit of trivia, Tim. It's great. I'm delighted I've pulled that out. Great. Tim, mate, not only have you won the Barclays uh, Man of the Match Bill, but you, I think you might have just won player of the season. <laughs> Got the stats. A lovely bit of business. So, yes, so with 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 
Team Wozniak, if you Google Three Bean Salad Podcast, and then also look out for The Great Man alongside The Great Woman, Rose Matafeo on Junior Taskmaster, which will be coming out in the next few months. Ridiculous casting. Two perfect choices. My God, it's going to be amazing. Rose Matafeo is me. I know we say this a lot off stage at ABC. Basically, Tim Lewis and I, we're, we're like, I mean, I know this is, it's a bit like my relationship with Kevin Bridges in terms of admiring someone who is a lot younger than you are. But Rose Matafeo falls into that Bridges bracket where I'm, so, I'm like in awe of her comedy talent. We, we, we gigged with her last night. Mate, she's phenomenal. Yeah. In, insane the voice of her generation i'm going to say it the voice of her generation absolutely and also rose is one of those where i i will do rose's bits for my wife and my wife we've got two kids so it's tricky for my, for my wife to get to gigs but she my wife will always say oh god i would love i would love her uh That's yeah, nice. yeah yeah that is that is high praise because i tell you what she doesn't laugh at my gear uh <laughs> Now, of course, speaking of lovely Wozniak at Always Be Comedy, The Great Man makes a triumphant return. This will be new material. We, we always like to emphasize that when somebody's doing new material. Um, the running gag is when someone's doing new material that you might see Kennington exclusives, wink, wink, wink. So Wednesday, the 15th of November, Mike Wozniak and more TBC. We'll, we'll add a couple more acts to that. And then Thursday, the 16th of November, Mike Wozniak, Tanya Moore, and Joe Sutherland. That, my friends, is one heck of a bill. So if this is the first time you've ever listened to the Always Be Comedy podcast, welcome. You've got a great back catalogue to also look forward to. What I would say is, the Always Be Comedy podcast is, starts off with pure chat. We love the chat up top. And then the guest will curate what would be their dream, their fantasy comedy gig who'd compare who'd open middle close but then there's so much more than that maybe a gigging nightmare that mustn't happen at this gig or something lovely that you would love to happen at this gig hey what mike's thing he doesn't want to happen at this gig is <laughs> it's about her that's what i'm gonna say oh it is it's it's yeah it's one of the best uh now this takes us into a bit of correspondence uh Tim, this, I'll be honest with you, mate. This is just a blitz of positivity. Are we ready for this? I'm ready. If, if this is the first episode you've listened to, what happened in the first couple of episodes was that we were sort of joking, but probably not joking about reading out positive praise. And then what's happened is we now unironically read out positive praise. Forest Fan Teacher says, pure joy. If you love watching stand-up, you will love this podcast. James and Tim's passion for comedy is infectious and their comedy contacts are excellent listening. Tim, can you take any more? You know what? I, I can take more. Right, okay. Lottie says, great. Glad I found this. Really love having a new comedy podcast. to get. Look, we've gone full Steve Wright. Let's just address... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just address the elephant in the room. We've gone full on Steve Wright. By the way, I've got to say, as a teenager, uh, I used to love Steve Wright in the afternoon and his talky bits. So, Steve, if you're listening, it's very unlikely, but I love you. And I'm very grateful for everything that you've done. Here we go. Glad I found this. Really love having a new comedy podcast to get me through long training runs. This one is always funny, 
but there's also something heartwarming about the host giggling away. Yes, get Lottie, guilty as charged. Uh, if, if I can share with you a little secret, I'd, on some of the shows that I've done TV warm-up on, I've been told by the lovely sound department, always lovely people in the sound department, but I've been told more than once, dude, watch the laughing, because it, 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 can, be, it can be too much. Uh, if, you, if you'd like to correspond, please email in. Uh, we also love the positive uh, interactions with comedians in everyday life. Please keep those coming in as well. Uh, the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. The five-star reviews on iTunes or Spotify. Can you leave a five-star review on Spotify? Someone emailed in to this day, not sure. Um, but please keep posting those five-star reviews. It helps what is a relatively new podcast it helps like you wouldn't believe so then here he is the incomparable the beloved the heartwarming the hilarious the maestro mike wozniak i would say in the paddington movies a uh, lovely paddington comes along and enriches and enhances and improves uh, the lives of everyone he comes across. Mm -hmm. I'm very much the Hugh Bonneville in, in where I'm going with this. Okay. And then Tim Lewis and I, Mike Wozniak came into our lives and frankly made Paddington Bear look like Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, uh, so what, what, what happened was we, we ended up doing this run of um, work in progress preview shows with Mike. Uh, Mike, I'm not saying this, Tim and I still talk quite about a long that time. Run. We, we, Tim and I talk about that run most days. I, re I really eked it out. No, but as in like, it was such a happy time in our lives. It was, it was, uh, it was, it, it was the best of times. It was the best of times. Lovely. Lovely uh, so, so Mike, yeah, Mike did a, it, it was Mondays and Tuesdays each month for a calendar year. And I, f I feel like Tim and I could write a really positive self-help book about that year. It was, <laughs> it was joyous. We, we miss it enormously. We miss it in the way that I imagine the, the Banks children would have missed Mary Poppins, mm. I, I think. Uh, so M Mike, well, it was regular, wasn't it? It punctuated. You, you knew where you were within the month. You knew where you were in the month, but it was more than that, Mike. It was, mm -hmm. it was bar, it was bomb for the soul. So it's a mm -hmm. th thank you. I know we'd gigged, and met before then, but then I felt that the 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 bond uh, between the three of us went it went up several levels. We had a heyday. We had a lovely heyday. It was a lovely. It was a it was a lovely heyday. A bit like Gene Morecambe tells that story of Eric Morecambe. I think it's they they watched the the, the Morecambe family watched the nineteen seventy seven Morecambe and Wise Christmas special. She comes back into that. Everyone's gone to bed. She comes back into the lounge. Eric is sat there, head in hands, looks up and says, "How do we ever top that?" And, oh. and I, I feel that T Tim and I are very much, you're the gene to our Eric in that, in that scenario. There. <laughs> um, so th I guess, I guess, thank you. So what, right, please. Well, thank you. I had a lovely old time, you know, oh, it was it, a great, it, it yeah, great. that audience, your gang down there. It was a different audience every time, wasn't it as well? Yeah, but there's something about it. I think there's, there's some regulars who come back on there, but there's um, something about that place, that vibe, that, that club. There's something about 
I know it's not cool to talk about the energy in a room and all that, but mm. there is something about that that room. It is, uh, it is a, it's a, it's a, the Tommy Field is a very special place, and it was all the more special for for you being in it, my friend. Um, since we saw you, what, so to, before we get to the, uh, the 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 hardcore format, oh yeah, the Zeusa run that 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 has been a, a treat for you, Mike. I guess it's been lush. Thanks, I've really loved it. It's sort of kind of over now but it might it might reappear i might um i might record it i'm in two minds about it because it's uh i've never recorded a stand-up show and it sort of feels too final because even though the show was was done and was ready and was written and out out it went there'd be there might be the odd twiddle here and there and there's you know there's the odd little bit of variability night to night but the show is the show. But you never feel it's quite finished. Do you know what I mean? There's always those bits that you come to in the middle of the show and you're, oh, this bit. I keep meaning to rewrite this bit. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that will ever change. So the idea of actually putting it down on tape and up, uploading it or something fills me with dread. But I might do it. And if I do that, then there'll be another little sort of bonus run of gigs to warm up for that. Because I did, I did have a lovely time. Nice audiences, really nice audiences. There was one place where they, I'm pretty sure they hated it. From the get-go to the let-go, which was grounding, to but, say the least. But that's them and not you, surely. I if, what I mean know. is, if if a hundred people tell you that your new sweater is a lovely yeah. sweater, and then one person says they don't like it, that's that's a reflection on the one person, surely. I don't know, but it's it's always fascinating that stuff, that hive brain thing. Do you know what I mean? When isn't it? You know, like if you're doing a sort of, if you're doing just sets on the circuit and you have that bit that is your sort of reliable rescue thing for the middle or your clothes or whatever it might be. Yeah. When when that when that tanks and you know I'm I'm in, I'm in real trouble here. I'm in deep shit now. Okay, because this this was my crutch. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, 100%. When, that, when that happens for a sort of solid 85, 90 minutes, <laughs> it does. Let's take its toll on the old ego, but maybe that's quite that's probably quite good for you. If you're doing a sort of 50-odd dates and generally having a lovely time with a lovely audience, so you're all having a lovely time and you're sort of you're at the sort of you're in the middle of that, you know, comedy carousing. And it's probably quite good now and again for some people in the East Riding of Yorkshire, let's say, wherever it was. Say no. No, I get back you. in your box. Um yeah. It's good for it is good for the soul. Um, why why don't you? I'm just throwing this out there. Why don't you record it? Could you? Is recording at the Tommy Field feasible? Oh, that's possible. There is the little wonder who who ran it. They they might have done a provisional sort of pencilly booking already, somewhere. Ah, uh, okay. But I'll, I'll have a chat. They might have booked it somewhere a bit more with a bit more wriggle room for cameras. You see. I think is the idea. There's practically zero wriggle room for a camera. There's no, yeah, it's not There's barely wriggle room, room space, for an audience. But people don't go there for wriggles, so they they go there for the giggles. Yeah. Thanks for listening. That's our episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm quite tired. I've just finished a tour, and uh, yeah. No, that mate, that was great. Um, Right, so that's very exciting. You may be recording it. Wonderful. I think every... Yeah. I mean, that'll be, if it happens, it'll be ages away because that's the sort of speed that stuff moves. And it's the, sort of the speed that I move. Like once I've had the thought and think, oh, I should probably record this at some point, then it's like, well, yes, but all the 
art centers and theaters are now booked up for the, for the next year and you should know that because you've just done a tour so you have to wait for a year um but that's okay well that's that's very very exciting congratulations when that when that happens okay, now hmm. another thing has happened yeah uh that's also very exciting by the way are you aware of the of the goodwill towards you on the circuit well i've got you know got good pals in comedy as you know we we both do there's um there's a potential sort of nice guy shtick thing but that i mean from that and from taskmaster but that's that's maybe because i i don't do much effing and jeffing do you know what i mean and uh you know i wear a tie and i'm a good boy and i just i want people to think i'm a good boy it doesn't necessarily mean i'm as good a boy as i as I come across, it just means I'm probably on my best behaviour, you know, particularly when seen in in public. Do you know what I mean? Going around to mothers for Sunday roasts, all that kind of stuff. Yes. It's a dangerous position to be in. You know, I mean, we've had this with Schofield. Only recently, nice guy shtick tumbles down, tumbles down hard. So I would, I, I mean, I mean, it's lovely the idea of goodwill and all that kind of stuff. But the more goodwill, I mean, just, I mean, just be ready for some sort of horrifying scandal. There'll be a skeleton in the cupboard. I don't know if I put that skeleton in the cupboard yet. Maybe I'll, maybe that's what I'll do immediately after this recording. I'll commit an atrocity. I may have committed an atrocity. I might already be a complete psychopath, and even I don't know yet. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny place to be in. I think this is very exciting. So I'm definitely when... not as nice as I come across. So when the bodies are found, this is yes. the clip that they were playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tr he tried to warn us. He was he was seeking help. He wanted us to stop him hiding in himself. plain sight. <laughs> exactly. Please, please stop me. <laughs> All is not as it seems. Mike, yeah. Mike, what what are you blinking in Morse code? I can't quite make it. <laughs> uh. Um, well, I, I suppose the reason why I asked that question about are you aware of the, the good work, because when the junior taskmaster news came out, mm. there was this, uh, we need the word vibe, there was this vibe of, oh, wonderful, you know, you know, Rose, again, obviously a total manch, very, very popular, and with you, again, oh, Mike, wonderful, couldn't, couldn't happen to a, a lovelier dude. That was, that's exciting. What can you share without uh alex and greg you know jumping up and breaking both of our necks while we speak oh quite a bit i think because we've done because they've announced it and it's all in the public domain and uh yeah it's very exciting and completely unexpected alex just sort of called me up out of the blue actually on quite a a, a, a funky day to be honest and uh i had a bit of a weird day because i've been doing the show and i'd i'd made the mistake of looking for a review and uh, discovered that the Times had, had given Zeus a two stars. What? <laughs> and I hadn't read the article because, I mean, the slug line was something like, it's just the show isn't ready. And I didn't read it because it's behind a paywall. And that, I mean, I'm, I'm up for sort of self-harm, but not I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I was in a, a wrangle of confusion, sort of pacing around southeast London, thinking, well, maybe he's right. But the whole part of the whole idea of the show is that it, feels like it's not ready and it's a sort of shaggy dog story and there's supposed to be lots of apparent errors, uh, you know. And then Alex calls me up with this amazing bit of news. And I've been on cloud nine ever since. And we made the pilot. We were really lucky because we they, they let us make two non-broadcast pilots. It's a very rare thing 
in 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 telly these days particularly for me because i'm most of the experience i've got on camera has been doing comedy acting stuff where someone else has written a lovely old script and you just got to say your lines and if you're standing in the wrong place i you know where the camera can't see you then someone tells you no mike you need to that see that pointy bit you got to stand in front of that and away you go but hosting things is something i do rarely anyway like i've never i've never been a good mc even in a gig and certainly not hosting an entertainment show so it was all very foreign and a bit nerve-wracking but then they had this lovely thing where we had these able to do these trial runs rose is rose is a proper kind of seasoned pro when it comes to sort of entertainment taste so she was amazing the team is phenomenal there's this amazing producer called Mia Cross like hugely supportive Alex and his team who make main taskmaster are completely involved Alex is still devising you know the tasks they've they've there's a few people from the crew from the main show who've kind of uh, who've uh, sort of been deliberately interloped with the new crew to sort of make sure that things are running slickly so like the the new team they've got free running but they've also got like this is how this is how to make the show or this is the so here are the guidelines go make it your own way and it was great fun it was really great fun and then after that you're like well what's gonna happen with the, the kids and we got some very funny kids actually and uh th th they were a complete pleasure it's kind of nine to eleven which is the sort of same age as my kids i spend half my time talking to kids of that age anyway and uh I loved it. I think it's going to be really good fun. We don't start recording the actual series until September. And it's, it'll take a bit of a while to make, obviously, because kids, you know, you can't just press gang these kids until you've finished filming. You've got to crowbar them out of school here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I can't I can't wait to get going again now that it's all happening. And that that helps as well, doesn't it, that you, you are a dad with kids that age because I bet you're the... I bet with I bet with the same sort of dad we look we I almost like if I go on a school trip I almost treat that like a gig like I'm trying to make I'm trying to make right. those kids laugh <laughs> and maybe you're the same with your kids and their friends and what, and what have you so you've you've sort of like in a way you by being a dad and and you know interacting with with, with kids that's almost like your open mic circuit and then you're and then you're oh yeah yeah I'm workshopping it that's all I'm doing now <laughs> You've been workshopping it and other workshopping intros of the show and transitions and cu cuts. To, my my children are getting an awful lot of cut to ad breaks in the middle of dinner time now. It's quite hard work, <laughs> but that's life now. That's life for the next fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> that's superb. That is great. You talking to your own kids? Yeah. Can you look more at camera two? Thank you. <laughs> Uh, that's 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 wonderful. Huge, uh, huge congrats, and I, and I guess and the plan I guess with that is for it to run and run in the way that regular Taskmaster runs and runs. Well, I hope so. I mean, the hope is that people will like it. I think I think like the team that made the pilots did a, a really really good job. So I think it would be good. It's gonna be it's gonna be fundamentally the same and fundamentally different at the same time. Yeah, you know, and I think it works. It works really well for kids and they know it works because Alex has been doing tons of kind of home tasking and all that kind of stuff. It's been, you know, if you think about it, the the, the whole concept of it has been road tested and there's kids all up and down the country and across the world who love, you know, the board game and all kinds of different, it really suits the child brain. But the difference is, you know, whereas in the previous show, you've got five comics or four comics and a presenter or whatever who who are there to provide content. And, you know, you might have Lee Mack, who's able to sort of fire out 8,000 gags per minute, if needs be, 
you can't expect that from kids. So you've just got to enjoy the sort of the weird eccentricity of of child brain and let it fly. So it's gonna it's gonna have its own flavour. But I think there's space in the show for that, and uh, I think it's going to be really good fun. I, th- I'm, I think it'll attract a similar but not exactly the same type of audience, is what I think. There'll be a big overlap with the audience, and then there might even be a bit of a new audience for it. Maybe. Nice. Who knows? What, what, what day and time are they looking at in terms of uh, it going out? Then I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that kind of question is completely above my pay grade. I, I, I think I heard in like. Uh, uh, over munching a sandwich in a lunch break at some point, talk of Friday tea time, but the person who's talking about it might have been talking about something else. I don't know. That makes sense. Because, uh, but the idea is that it's a family show. Exactly. The idea is not. It's not a kid. It's not a kind of after school. Watch this, kids. The the idea is that it's like the family, something that the family can watch, like a ghosts or whatever. You know. That's lovely. Sit down on the sofa and and have a good time together. You know. Uh, that's now the, that's the plan. T- Tim and I have we've we've talked. I mean, everyone talks about this, but Tim and I talk about this thing called Taskmaster Bounce, and it's where someone appears on the show, yeah. and then it it's not it's not uh, an exaggeration. Say it it changes their life. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wh- what was the? Wh- when did you realize? Oh, hang on a minute. We're we're not in Kansas anymore. Oh, I, th- I think what well, 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 probably a few episodes in. Because there was this sort of weird sort of attention and tweeting and all that kind of stuff. And I think if you're a kind of middle-aged man who lives in provincial England with a couple of kids, the I mean, you the, the assumption, usually correctly, is, is that you're probably quite a boring individual and that no one would ever particularly want to watch you on telly unless, like, someone had already written a really good script for you to play, for example, a boring middle-aged man. Do you know what I mean? That's As far as I was concerned, that was... That was my life, and that's where I was. Do the odd gig here and there, have a lovely time, uh, maybe get the odd gig doing a, you know, playing a middle-aged man, written by someone really funny, you know, straight man type stuff, and that, and and that's fine. But then all of a sudden you're like, hmm, for some reason people seemed interested in this boring middle-aged man, and it was doubly exciting because I'd been wanting to work up this Zeus show for such a long time. Oh my gosh! I was thinking, oh crumbs! I might be able to actually this show. I've been desperate to do. I might be able to actually, rather than just do an Edinburgh run and then bin it, I might actually be able to trundle it up and down the place and do a full show, not just an hour, but a kind of you know show with an interval, and which is something I've been dreaming of doing for years. And I thought, I, well, maybe I'll be able to give that a punt, and that was that was lovely and very exciting. And then just had this lovely year working it up with you guys and taking it about do you know what i mean and it might be that as soon as we finish recording i'm squashed under a grand piano and career-wise i'd be perfectly happy with <laughs> with what's been and gone and um but it, yeah it is there is definitely an effect and i think there's a bit a big part of that is because there's quite a lot of the audience that watch taskmaster who are they're not they're not just idly they're not just idle whatever entertainment is on watches it's not just whatever shiny floor thing is on that i think there's a lot of genuine comedy fans in the audience and i think there's a lot of overlap with the people who watch the show on telly and the kind of people who might actually go out on a thursday night and go and see a live comedy show at their local theater or art center which you wouldn't necessarily get with other you know tv 
shows unless you're a huge name you know i think there's there is that genuine overlap people who are up for taking a punt you know and might not have come across john kearns before or me before or Fern brady or you know whoever and go oh well, that's a bit of fun i'm gonna go and check that out I'm gonna you know so i think that's why you get that bounce with that show in particular that and the fact that you get to know people over the course of you know however many weeks it is 10 weeks or or more is a slightly different thing to just popping up in the odd episode now and again and firing out some gags. Um, um, they get uh, to know it, you. There's a sense of possession. Do you know they they feel like you're you're one of theirs in a nice way. I mean, for its worth, I know Tim's the same. Total agreement. I, I'm. I mean, I, I'm just copying what you just said there. But we we certainly pick up on that. People that come to ABC. There's lots of Taskmaster fans in the crowd. Yeah. It's 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 almost like Alex has created a comedy show for gig-going comedy fans. Yeah, yeah. I can't afford to go out tonight or whatever, or I've been to three gigs in a row, I need a night in or whatever, and this is, this is ideal. You know, it's perfect. Tell you what, we're very good. I've, I mean, I've, I've, thanked, I've personally thanked Alex a number of times. We always be comedy. I think always be comedy. He's a vibe here. I would like to think the 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 atmosphere, the vibe, whatever you like, the people we attract, the Venn diagram with the people that watch Taskmaster and the vibe of that show are very similar. And I've yeah. personally thanked Alex for everything that he's done, even though, I mean, it probably wasn't part of his plan. But Taskmaster has, one, I mean, undeniably helped always be comedy in terms of people, as you say, going to check out, say, a John Kearns and a, a Mike Wozniak, etc. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, long may it continue, quite frankly. I don't really know how Alex does it. The amount that man generates. Incredible. Because it's not just that show. Do you know what I mean? There'll, there, there'll be tours and podcasts and other stuff, and I don't... And he's he's always genuinely sort of cheerful, and uh, there's only one of him, and, and he seems to have a sort of successful personal life as well, and you know... Uh, you would think something's got to give, but no, no, nothing's giving. Maybe he doesn't sleep. Maybe him. he doesn't sleep. That is that's probably the only way. But again, what what a uh, what a total uh, mensch that he is. Yeah. Now now Zeusa does that not does that not lend itself to uh, a scripted series or something like that? I don't know. I mean, this, I mean, they're in two minds about that. Maybe, maybe. But a bit a bit of me is also tempted just to sort of film the show and. And have done and move on. I, I'm, I'm a, a lot of the time once something's done. I've been working on something for a while. Especially if it's been out there, then I, I, I'm I'm quite keen to sort of bin it and move on as soon as I possibly can. This is the first time I've hovered about with a project for as long as as this. You know, I mean, there have been whole shows that haven't survived more than one gig in the past. You know, there's been a bunch of Max I've gone to McAntliffe and tried a new hour and then gone no on the way home that's <laughs> sort of never to be seen again um so it might be it might even be that impatience drives me to sort of lock it down and and move on but it also of the shows of the one man shows that i've done it it's it's i think it's probably the only one that the moment i'd feel comfortable to sort of commit to tape and um i don't know but yeah i don't know I've just maybe you relate to this. I've just listened to an interview with uh, Jason Sudeikis, and he's you know he's very much saying that that's the Ted Lasso story 
as far right. as he's concerned that you know that's that right he, he said there's a story about the godfather francis ford coppola did the godfather obviously you know huge hit commercially yeah. and critically hoovers up at the oscars and i think paramount state of francis ford coppola please make a sequel and he goes i don't i don't want to i don't have any more i don't have, i don't have another story to tell yeah and i think it's on at paramount the line was that sadakis loved was um you've worked out how to make coca-cola and you refuse to make another bottle <laughs> uh so maybe, maybe there's an element of that once you once you've now, now, listener, I'm well aware that he made The Godfather 2, and that's because he'd already had an idea about a father and son and wanted to tell their stories sort of like parallel lives. So that was a separate idea, and he sort of conflated it with the Godfather universe, and that's how they were able to move on. Very good. Address the complaints ahead of time. Very good. Strongly approve of that. Probably. That that's just living with, you know, the voice in your head is always like, yeah. you, be you better explain this now. <laughs> Um, right, okay. So Junior, junior Taskmaster, mm. Zeusa. Yeah. Mate, my heart swells for you. It's, it's wonderful. Any, is there any other uh, cats to let out of bags? The reason why I ask that is because uh, I remember there was the big Dave uh, sci-fi movie that you'd made with Joe Thomas. And that, you know, yeah, no, but we had a bit of sad news about that. That's been, that's been sort of uh, put on, that sort of hit the skids a bit. Um yeah, that doesn't. Though we thought that was coming back, it looks like it isn't coming back. It, I mean, never say never with these things because they'd written quite a lot of the new um, of what of what was to follow. Larry Rickard and Ben Wilbond, who I really like those guys, and they're such good writers. So I was very excited about that, and had a lovely. I just had such a lovely time with Joe and the rest of the gang making it. I was excited about giving that another go. Uh, but no, that that doesn't look like it's happening. Sadly, no, there are there are there are no other cats. I mean that, yeah. I mean, but I think you know the, the bag has been quite full with Junior Taskmaster. Um, there, there, yeah, there are currently no other cats. There are, uh, there are cat zygotes. Certainly, I would say. Uh, sure, but um, in, in terms of kind of scribblings on notebooks and stuff that is percolating or arguably festering uh i mean that, that's kind of what i'm up to at the moment is mostly trying to write and walk in a dog really and 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 podcasting really is what i'm doing but i, don't, I mean we'll see we'll see what comes of that what what normally comes out of that phase is a series of scripts that are either openly rejected by the industry uh, or or I, I just tear up into pieces by myself I would be. Do you know what the thing is? Knowing you, I bet the stuff you've ripped up. I bet there's some absolute. Oh no, no. I mean that'll, that'll, that'll be, that would be that would be that would be a lovely idea, wouldn't it? Like sort of you know, ripping up Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> exactly, Beethoven burning his manuscripts. No, it's uh, no when it when it when it doesn't see the light of day, it's for it's for very good reason. And I mean, I, I will often when I've finished writing something, I will often I will leave it a day or two before sending it just just in case. I've I've done it again. I've done it again. Delete. Yeah. Before we get to your dream gig. The dream gig. Mm. Matt, now that I know Greg a little bit, mm. I know Gamble better. That mm. the, the whole man down experience, that was a really that was a lovely thing, wasn't it? That was a very very happy time of my life. Very very happy. And um 
yeah and, and it became a more and more significant part of life it sort of started writing on it as well a bit in series three and four so it, it took up a big chunk of time and uh spent an awful lot of time with with greg and ed and steve morrison sort of you know knocking about ideas and just and, and filming it with the likes of matt lipsy and al campbell and Oh, happiness, pure happiness, genuine dream come true. I mean, it's always sitcoms have always been the fixation for me ever since I was a sort of wee lad. And uh, so the like being able to work on one was an absolute dream come true. And I, I just loved it. I had such a happy time and genuinely rate it and think it's I think it's a good I think it's a really good sitcom. And it didn't like it didn't take over the world. It didn't have a Big Bang Theory effect or whatever but it did find an audience and i still occasionally bump into people who were into it and uh i would like i would like more of that kind of thing about i think sort of big silly full-blown you know there's definitely a place for for dramedy and for earthy heartwarming comedy that's fine uh but there's a lot of it about and i think at the moment there's a bit of a paucity of uh just absolute hell for leather let's go for it comedy i could not agree you know like i saw recently that the new series of i think you should leave has dropped on netflix have you seen that yeah Uh, i mean i i mean i nearly punched the ceiling i was so happy i mean i just mate have you seen the new series no i haven't i mean i've I've seen that it's dropped and i haven't i haven't had the chance to i'm basically i'm saving it up i'm saving it up for saturday night or what i mean just like it's a treat like it's there and I'm, i'm desperately excited about it because it's going to be over too quickly, that, for me, because they're tiny oh, episodes, they're, they're, aren't they? They're like 15 minutes. Exactly. When the and I know as soon roll. as I press play, I'm not stopping until it's done. There's there's no way I'm going to be able to watch that piecemeal. I'm just going to be hoovering it. So I'm trying to save it for the right time. Uh, to, when I've earned a treat. You've earned a treat, my friend. You're in for a treat. Um, the th- Charlie Baker is, is, is another huge fan of that show. We were chatting yesterday about it. And, and I said to him, with some sketch shows, you you you, you can see how the sausage is made, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so you go, oh, you know, yeah, okay, I see how you got there. Or even if you're being if you're being cynical, you go, oh, well, I don't think that sketch worked because of X, Y, and Z. Whereas with that show, I'm just like, oh, you guys are on another level. I mean, <laughs> there's a I won't spoil it. There's a couple in this new series that are all time classic comedy sketches. And how and where and how they've come up with them, I've no idea. But yeah, very special talent. And then also to address your but other quite point, often you're in the middle of a different sketch. I mean, you start a sketch and you think you're in one sketch. Yeah, you think you're in the middle of a pastiche of a cookery program, and then within twenty seconds, actually, we're in a completely different sketch. As it turns out, incredible. There's so many little and then the long turns and shadow punches and all the rest of it. A special, uh, a unique com- comedy break, and then also the paucity of out and out, f- ha ha, laugh out loud sitcoms is a, uh, a mystery because that surely the people are craving something like that. You would think, yeah, proper sort of escapism, and there's definitely people out there with the, with the chops to put that stuff together. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what I'd like to see more of, and do more of, you know. That's the dream. Wozniak, if, if, if anyone's going to land that. Uh, my favourite sitcom ever is, is Cheers. You know, that. Oh, I just, lovely. Just, it's tens across the board. What's, what's yeah. your favourite ever sitcom? 
Oh, golly, golly, that's very hard. I think my absolute favourite, literally of all time, the thing that I return to regularly, and I did talk on a podcast about it not that long ago, is a radio one, The Goon Show. Oh, yeah. Um, That would be my genuine absolute. Can I tell you something? Favourite, yeah. I'm on I'm on the street WhatsApp group here in yeah. I, I'd say I'd say Penge, my wife would say Beckenham. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh during lockdown, yeah. the, the street WhatsApp group was very lively, as you can imagine. Yeah. And uh someone on our street WhatsApped me privately and said, I can't verify this and I don't know how to verify it. I don't know if I've told you this. She goes, just so you know, I I know that you are a comedian and you work in comedy. Uh, you would like you might like to know that uh the goons apparently would meet and write in the house in which i live no yeah wowzers and i've told harry hill about this he suggested pitching it as a a, a telly show so the yeah. format of the show would be uh you sitting in your house is well because around the country there will be people who live in a house and they don't realize that you know that that house was where the Beatles wrote, but up, but up, but You know, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but how you how you would go about proving that Seacom and the gang sat in your front room to write whichever sketches? Because um, I said, I said, how do you know? And I think she said that someone from a few years ago had had said, but I don't know. It's got to be more concrete than that, hasn't it? I mean, now you say that out loud. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Right then, Mike. Yeah. So you are putting together. Yes. Mike Wozniak's dream fantasy gig. Call it whatever you like. Mm -hmm. Do you have. Oh, I know that. I know that you do, actually. Uh, Do you have any pre-gig rituals? Well, sort of. It's a bit vague. You'll be aware of my my, my, my pre-show pace. That's the one. <laughs> I will. I will. But I don't know if that even counts as a ritual. But I, oh, a bit, a bit of an airing, a bit of an airing, <laughs> pacing, pacing about, just focus the mind. And there will often be a bit of pre-show scribbling sometimes. So if it's a short set, there'll be a little notebook, a bit of the set list will be roughly written down or. Actually, that, that's quite a lot of times when a correction or a little thing has changed in the show. It's happened at the very last minute when I've written down like the bullet points of what's happening in the first half of the show. And then, oh, there we go. That thing, that idea that you've been searching for for the last three weeks, eight seconds before the gig, that'll be, <laughs> that's when it happens. Beyond that, I mean, in the, when I was did the tour, because I haven't toured like this before, I wore my suit. And I did find that there was something about the timing of when that happened. So that was a new thing. So I wouldn't get in the suit until half an hour, you know, you know, at least, I mean, it'd be half an hour or less beforehand. Otherwise it's too early, you know, and would deliberately not think, try not to think about stuff, keep myself distracted, you know, and because uh, once I'm in the suit, I'm sort of bouncing around in the room a bit. And sometimes I might be in a place where a stroll is, you know, pacing is very difficult. I can't go yeah. outside without going through the audience. So I'm, I'm doing an interior pace, which turns into a bit of a sort of interior jive, really, a bit of a jive step, a bit of loose improvisational dance is happening in the back room. 
you know, to some faint klezmer that I can hear coming from the auditorium. <laughs> what where, that'll get me in the mood. Where where did the suit inspo come from? Is it is I'm sure you hear like names like David Tomlinson will get thrown at you very warmly, yeah. I imagine. But was there any specific inspiration with the suit? It's laziness. It's laziness and the fact that I've never had any interest in clothes whatsoever. Like I can't stand the clothes I'm wearing, for example, now. I mean, the shorts are almost rags. They are obscene. And I have to think twice before you know I leave the house wearing them. I can't bear buying clothes. I can't get interested in buying clothes. And then and then this taskmaster thing comes up and they're like, well, you need to wear the same thing when you're doing the tasks and because we don't know how we're cutting it together. And and then someone mentions, oh, generally speaking, people are wearing different things for every actual studio episode, which I knew because I watched the show. And I, I had to ask, can I, can, I, can I not do that, please? Can I just run the suit? And he said, yeah, fine. And so the suit suit is the thing and it's you know you're doing telly you don't know who's watching your mum might be watching your auntie barbara might be watching so you know got to be smart for the telly haven't you all these comedians coming on in t-shirts and trainers you having a laugh you're being piped into someone's living room you know there could be a duke watching you never know exactly wear a suit and then for me it just works very nicely it's a really nice thing i don't have to worry about that at all and same with the with the talk because quite hard wearing woolen suit it's not very good, quite cheap off the peg, slightly crumpled. So if it gets a bit more crumpled on the way, that's fine. I, I would imagine I will probably just carry on wearing cheap suits for as long as they let me keep working, really. I mean, the one yeah. I've got is is I mean, the, the, the moths are going to have it any day now, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, right. The, I, think, I think the pace is a great, that's a, that's a great pre-gig ritual. That counts as a ritual. Okay, fine. Okay. I'll take that then. I think so because what you're maybe there's you got to be something. This. I guess there's got, there's got to be something for me that marks it, whether that's the pace or the background putting on the suit. There does have to be a thing, particularly because when I do it, there is a bit of a shtick to the show. Do you know what I mean? Because there is, you know, I'm at times pretending to do things that I'm not doing or whatever, you know. So it's a night, it's a little, there has to be something to mark. Okay. I've left having a nice chat time or I've left, you know, day to day or podcast listening time you know showtime that does it does help similarly that i i need that little bit of dread before the the show i sort of over the years i still get dread before a gig but i've, I've sort of whittled it down to be like the last 10 seconds there'll be this little familiar feeling of dread what on earth are you doing who do you think you are you've made a huge mistake this is gonna be awful and then that gives me enough of a little adrenaline pep that i'm away on the very rare occasions that that dread doesn't come, it, it, I'll, I'll have a stinker for sure. So maybe it does count as a ritual then, if it, uh, yeah, it marks, carves out the time. Mm. And I think what, without you perhaps realizing it, I think what that pacing is doing is getting you, it's like your, your body and your brain is saying, right, this is, you're getting ready for go time here, dude. Yeah, I think so. Elvis Presley had to have, if the number's wrong, I apologize, Elvis fans. But the walk from his dressing room to the stage had to be X hundred paces long. Oh, really? Yeah. So that by the time the foot actually hits the stage, it's like it's like the the neurolingual pathway, whatever you would call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like subconsciously told himself, right, showtime. Something's got to change for show mode. 
even yes. if you know the stuff so well because you don't want to be just sort of delivering it on autopilot because it sort of doesn't matter if it's if you're in a kind of 40 seater in a room of other pub or you're on a mixed bill in some you know some big name bums on seats type is doing a charity thing and you're in a nice big theater and it's very exciting there's a thousand people there you know either way all those people it's that's that's their night do you know what i mean that's their night out there might have been babysitters employed there might have been taxis who knows do you know what i mean you don't know what else is going on but they they just want a bit of an escape for that night so you want it you want it to be decent absolutely so it's got to be yeah something's got to charge you into show mode yeah who would uh, who would mc the gig right so i've thought about this quite carefully I'm going. I'm. I'm going to go for a, a a bill of the dead, please, if that's permitted within the format. I was this, interviewed relatively recently, yeah. and I was asked the ABC Pod questions, and I went for a bill of the dead. Did you? Because I think the the idea is, you know, who would you really want to see? These are all people I've never seen live. Would have loved to have seen live, and it is now, it is now not on the cards anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm the MC is going to be Victoria Wood, please. Outstanding. And I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't mind. It's up to her how she does it. You know, she knows her onions better than I ever will. I <coughs> like the idea that maybe there'll be a big white grand piano on the stage, and she'll she'll MC it kind of lounge style, you know. And there'll be a mixture of, you know, a mixture of material, mixture of some anecdotes, the odd songs, some cheeky cheeky improvised banter with the audience. You know, yeah, I think a really sort of. I want to almost feel like it's Victoria Wood and friends is 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 the evening. Do you know what I mean? That it's that kind of vibe. Quite a small venue. I mean, let's go for the Tommy Field. Why not? Do you know what I mean? There's only going to be space for about eighteen of us once that grand's in. Um, But But the eighteen of us, what a night we're going to have! What a night! What a night we'll have! Yeah. And and she said, "Let's do it." <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's gonna that's got to close the show, hasn't it? That number, yeah, surely. Everyone singing it. along. Can't <laughs> it. Afraid I might get it wrong. <laughs> when she performs that on an audience with Victoria yeah. Wood, she really hits her. She really hits her stride. You know that she she performs it with such flair. And rip, the way she rips into it, it's such a magical... She's got the world by the tail that evening, hasn't yeah. she? And yet, so throwaway at the same time. Such a completely brilliant writer and performer. Oh but we just had that level of ease on the stage. That, that apparent casualness. Yeah. We all Amazing. remember where we were when we first heard the line, smack me on the bottom with a woman's weekly. <laughs> is that, I mean, that's the, that is the ultimate comedy song, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's been bettered. Like, it's just, it's just perfect. It's just a perfect piece of comedy. It's perfect comedy. It's, it lasts it's, as well. Do you know what it, I mean? It's still, it's still funny now. But it's almost like a Mike Lee but not pathos, but you know, the, you, you feel like you know those characters in the space of a single song, yeah, don't yeah. you know? Uh, Victoria Wood, what an incredible choice. Did you ever meet the the, the great woman? No, I, I mean, I wish the, none, none of these people would, were people I've ever, ever met would have had a chance to meet on this bill. 
icon, national treasure, beloved by everybody. Yeah. Incredible performer. Also, obviously great at the piano, but the, the stand-up, it goes without saying, was also incredible. Stand-up, plays, films, plays. musicals. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. You, you, you're going to be as safe as houses. You can have your night, the, the night of your life. You know, you don't need any of the other acts, frankly. But I do like the idea of really going to town, having her host it. Yeah, to, then, to the point where, the, I don't know who's opening, but the opener is going to be like, oh, Jesus Christ. going to be anxious. Yeah, she's, fucking, she's fucking roofing this. <laughs> Victoria Wood. <laughs> I heard, a story, I heard a story where Led Zepp, at Live Aid, Led Zeppelin were in Philadelphia watching the monitors of what was happening at Wembley. Right. And Robert Plant, this is a, it's a really great book about their manager. Is it Peter Peter Grant, was it his name? Anyway, Robert, uh, Robert Plant, who's a, a top, top dude by all accounts, yeah. watched Freddie Mercury and said yeah. out loud at Philadelphia, like in this green room, do we have to follow this? <laughs> 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 that, that would be your opener. Uh, so, who, who is opening the gig? Carolina Hearn, please. Oh, what a choice! Yes. So, and again, I mean, it's not my place to for me to ask her to. I mean, I, I, to take requests. I'm quite happy if she's doing her own, just herself stand up, which she did a bit of, but not an awful lot of. Or if she's Mrs. Merton or Sister Mary Immaculate, whatever, or just something brand new. I mean, maybe she just wants to workshop some new material. Who knows? I mean, I don't, you know, but if I could get a nice 20 set out of Caroline Hearn, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see her live. There's not an awful lot of live stuff out there to see of her. I don't, I don't know how much she did. I, I, I would imagine she did probably quite a bit at some point, but there's not, a, there's not, a, there's not a treasure trove of, stuff to find but it, it is out there but obviously you know the rest of her output is just phenomenal and uh yeah she she's just one of those acts who she she did she did a bit of live stuff it wasn't the thing she was most known for but when she did it it was brilliant and i wish i'd seen it i wish i'd been there so that's why i want her on the bill you know and she was on the circuit for years wasn't she before she broke through i didn't really know what her path was i knew that she had some kind of admin job in the bbc somewhere was trying to get in as a writer i do i have no idea how much stand-up she did did she do a lot well there's, there's a across that she must when you see the clips of like her doing say sister mary at just for laughs in montreal or whatever i mean yeah. she's i mean she's absolutely bang on do you know what i mean she comes across as someone who's done ten thousand plus hours of of live stuff I, I genuinely have no idea i don't know much about i mean i've i've seen the work i don't know much about that kind of the origin story really so a friend of mine called martin kellner had a radio show i think it was radio leeds or maybe it was radio air but anyway it was in leeds this radio show and then what he would do is when when the up-and-coming acts mm. had played leeds that night he would have them on his radio show because you know as you know yeah. up-and-coming comedians are glad of the exposure yeah and so I know, I know that when Caroline had done local gigs, she would always come on his radio show afterwards. Ah, okay. But this was before she was, you know, yeah, BAFTA, yeah. BAFTA winning god of comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I think he had Coogan on there as well. Ah. Same day. He had some, he had some monster names. Oh, it would be nice. To, be, I mean, that's a good, that would be a good thing to harvest, wouldn't it? Those tapes. Uh, right. Great choice. Caroline Ahern, ferocious oh, talent. 
mm-hmm. Fasho, Royal Family, as you say, Sister Mary. There was the the. I'd love to rewatch Saturday Zoo. That was a oh, that was yeah. a real launch pad for her and uh, her Coogan, John Thompson, yeah, uh, and more. Is there any 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 other uh, Ahern that we that we must check out off the back of this pod? Oh. Well, is Mrs. Merton? Have we mentioned Merton? We must have mentioned Mention Oh, Merton, of course. The uh, I know that Marcus Brigstock, Marcus Brigstock's pet chameleon, is called Roy, as a tribute to oh, the, the Far Show sketch. Yeah. Oh, they were amazing. That was her and John Thompson, wasn't it? I tell you what, I rewatched them upon Brigstock telling me about Roy, and those sketches are essentially, but yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Right, great choice. Good. What a gig. Thank you. We've gone for a break. Who's yeah. it? If I, roof that so hard, now Victoria yeah. Wood's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I've got to remind then, that I was good. Yeah. So who's on in the middle? So everyone's, I mean, people are going to be worried about that. But so a, a very relaxed vibe for the middle section. So people stop panicking about any of that kind of stuff. So who do you pop in? You pop in Dave Allen. You get a nice high stool. You make sure there's a whiskey and soda on a little table to the side of it ashtray you ignore the smoking ban and uh, you, you just give them 20 minutes just to you know just to chunter away tell us some of your stories away we go the thing with dave allen mike and you know it's your gig i wonder if we we just we, we might perhaps warn the headliner that, that dave might overrun <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that dave might overrun oh my god the, the, everyone the, knows that the, th- the thing with Dave Allen as well is, I imagine, how many comedians must he have lulled into a false sense of security? So before you get into comedy, you would watch Dave Allen and you would think, oh, it's just, comedy's just as easy as sitting down. So yeah. Dave Allen was, was making some, something that is incredibly hard look like. Glory, look. isn't it? Do you just, yeah, it's just, oh, just say, just say a thing that happened. No, you have to completely make up a thing that's absolute bollocks that... Happened and tell it as complete truth, and it's got a perfectly worked little punchline at the end. Yeah, that you didn't expect. If, if, if you if if you were to get into a if there was a pub debate, and somebody was arguing that Dave Allen was the greatest comedian ever, you wouldn't rule them out winning the debate. No, they'd, they'd be in a strong position. He's the um, he's the something I've always particularly loved watching him and has given me pause pause for thought as a performer is he he's sort of past master at taking his sweet time <sighs> like there's no issue with a pause it doesn't need to rush and it's fine and his audience doesn't either because there's plenty of there's so much content in there there's so many points where you laugh so many punchlines and twists and turns and even when there isn't, even sometimes when he just wants a bit of space to look as if he's gathering the next apparently spontaneous thought, whatever it is, it's fine. It's fine. Little pause. Everyone has a pause. And he's uh, he's ma- he's a master of that chair. He, he never looked... You know, we've all, we've all seen great comedians have a flash of terror in their eyes. Yeah. Whereas Dave Allen... Almost like if, if I could pick one person to disarm a bomb, I'd pick, Dave Allen just never looked remotely flustered, did he? He wouldn't begin until he was quite ready. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And that's the same with all of his, yeah, whether it was a full-blown shaggy dog story or it's a 
two-line anecdote or just a gag, whatever it is. He'd start it when he's good and ready. He'll have a, he'll have a whole fag if he wants to and a slab of his drink, and then he'll get on with it. He was so he was so brilliant. He, he had the ITV show to, in his in his later years when he was more uh, seasoned professional and that as a comedy fan that was a that was just a must watch show yeah. one of those shows that when it went to the ad break your heart would sink yeah um and then before that he had great success on the beef didn't he and it would be impossible for the advertisers as well right? i mean how do you how do you put a funny advert on in the middle of a dave allen jesus went how do you do that they're all they're, they're all turkeys right all the ads i mean work as hard as you like they're just all going to fall flat it must have been agony for those guys Dave Allen did you what, how did you get into him was it was it the original was it the Beeb show or was it the ITV show uh oh good question I don't know I mean via parents basically both parents quite big comedy fans and the Beeb show had sketches in it as well didn't it yeah 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 and he was one of the so he was definitely one of the the comedians that we were sort of allowed access to quite early on that they genuinely Liked and we liked. And it was also the kind of thing where there was quite a lot that he'd do that even as a kid you would find genuinely funny. And some stuff that you, and this is another good lesson from him. He'd do stuff that, you know, watching it again recently, the stuff that would go over the heads of the kids in the living room watching the telly. But it's fine because there's enough keeping them funny, keeping them laughing. And there's also enough that they know from the rhythms of it. Oh, something's a bit naughty there. He's talking about something naughty. I don't quite understand what it is, but I know that there's something naughty he's referring to. So I know it's funny. It's quite, yeah, yeah. it's artful and it's it's light touch. Um, but yeah, he was one of the yeah the very early earliest comedians that they kind of got us into, like him and and Billy Connolly. They got us into quite early. Doors, the goons. Um. Yeah, but he's he's one of the more sort of grown up comedians I remember watching on the on the box. Once you're outside of the kind of Russ Abbott show, Allo, Allo, all that kind of stuff. There's a bit of a kind of here's this quite sophisticated looking dude with a suit and a, and a whiskey, just talking. That's so true. And getting into Dave your Al- attention, absolutely. Getting into Dave Allen is almost like getting into the the you, you've done the blockbusters. And then you got into the art house cinema with Dave Allen. It just felt like yeah, um... slow it down a bit, pair it right back. Ne- ne- never mind your act outs and your, your your props and your your musical stings and your fireworks. Just pa- pair it right back. Have a look at what can be done with just a, per- a person, a person so, talking. I love the simplicity of that. Uh, we've t- so we, we've gone for the break. It's now half past one in the morning, but no yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. But no one's complaining. No, exactly. <laughs> no one is complaining. They've kept the bar open. Thank you, staff at the Tommy Field. Uh, who, who is closing this perfect night? Potentially unpredictable. But it has to be this person because this person genuinely is, and I've already referenced this person, this person genuinely is my favourite comedian of of all time. Bernard well, Manning. It's Bernard Manning. <laughs> Just... But once saying it like it is, just saying what we're all ruddy well thinking. Thanks very much. Actually, we're, we're supposed to be having a laugh here. Thanks very much. You bloody woke snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> you bloody snowflakes. This is comedy. I know he's made a cry. It's part of it. Uh, it's got to be. There's, there's all sorts of people in contention, but for me personally, it has to be Spike Milligan. 
And there's the risk that he doesn't turn up. Do you know what I mean? In his later years, the man was ill and he had some, well, throughout his life is ill, but I mean, he, was, he, he might turn up, he might not turn up, he might do something really weird, he might do something that's an act of pure genius, but part of that unpredictability is part of the appeal for me. And he did do one-man shows. Uh, didn't do loads of one-man shows. Did quite a lot of live stuff early doors when he was first starting out before the goons came along. But did such a variety of stuff. I would just love just to give that man the brief of, you know, could you close the gig? Do whatever you like. Let's see what happens. My, my I don't know if I've said this. My mum went to go see him live. Oh, really? Yeah, back in the back in the day, must have been six. No, it must be in the seventies, maybe. Anyway, this is just a nice little detail. Yeah. She said it was unbelievable. You know, oh, as wow. you can imagine. Oh, good. Uh, the, they went for a. He took a break. Check this. Yeah. He goes. Um, Right, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tell you what, we'll, it was as natural as this. Yeah, so yeah. he goes, uh, he like looks at his watch. Right, we'll take a break. Uh, what, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. If you grab yourselves a drink, uh, and then what I'm going to do uh, while you go for a, a break, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to play the trumpet. <laughs> and he did. He stood there, <laughs> played the trumpet. I his imagine first something, love, his true love. How yeah. good is that? I imagine some people like, trumpet. I don't, want to, I don't want to go for it. I want to watch him play the trumpet. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, those who went, wanted to go for a drink could go for a drink, but he just stood there playing the trumpet all through the interval. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd have been peeing into my pint glass. I wouldn't have been doing that for, <laughs> for a second. No way. Wonderful. That's the name of the next special, peeing into my pint glass. <laughs> uh, and that, and that, so the, the love of Spike, that was through the... That was through... The Two goons initially, yeah, 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 and then Q, obviously, and and his many poems and eight million books. You know, whether it's the autobiogra autobiographical books or the sort of you know the the Bible, according to Spike Milligan, or there's just reams of it. I've got a hell of a lot of it in the house, and uh, I just love the man dearly. And he's, I think, he's he genuinely, genuinely earns the, the title of comedy genius. That which is bandied about, but I think he genuinely was that, and he genuinely changed comedy with what he did in the fifties. Now, you, there, there is this. There is this. I'm sure. I'm sure it's Spike who's told the story himself on some talking head show. Maybe someone's telling it on his behalf. But when they're filming one of the Q series, the, I bet. I bet a slap alleged into this, or it is reported. Some of the Python boys were. Because they loved him so much, they were sneaking in to watch the recordings, and he had to. I think he shouted, "Kick the bastards out!" Because they, <laughs> they were, they were basically, let's say, potentially being inspired by right, yeah, yeah, yeah. some of his stylings, you know. <laughs> Cheeky sods. But there was love there. They put him in in Brian. Can you say a bit uh, to any to the uninitiated of just how Spike? And this is a phrase that is used a lot by people like me, actually. But he truly did. He changed the game. Can, can you just say a bit about what Spike did for the comedy? So, yes, yeah, so this would have been like when he came out, like what was being put out to the public was... A lot of it, it would fit a certain pattern. If it was on the radio, say, there'd be a... You know, it's sort of creaky one-liners and... Uh, very obvious sort of caricatures of 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 
camp men or you know drawing room scandals kind of post noel coward sort of bollocks and he actually it was just what he was compared to that what he was doing was was bananas like for a start he'd use the medium in a way that no one else did like there'd be really strange sound effects you'd have someone running from london to burkina faso or something like that in the middle of an episode and then you just you just hear the little of their legs rattling along uh things going wrong in the show sometimes deliberately sometimes a scripted thing where it's gone wrong but it hasn't really sometimes them just corpsing just because they're having an, an excellent time and loads of kind of surrealism loads of whimsy really peculiar stuff jokes without punchlines stories without endings just all, all of it is in there that felt like chaos but was actually quite beautifully crafted together and i think it made a lot of people feel like oh it doesn't there's no it doesn't have to be this one way not not only because it was really good but also because it was a massive hit massive and then, but if you you've know, never heard it do genuinely listen to the goon show there's loads of it on uh on bbc sounds and do genuinely you know check out q and it's, it's worth it's worth a deep dive for sure uh, and this is so far ahead of its time with q if when they didn't he did he he didn't necessarily like the idea of a sketch having to have a conventional punchline no and he didn't think that everything needed to be tied up in a bow and so they they the, the characters would often look at the camera and say what do we do now what do we do yeah, yeah completely yeah what do we do now which people even people do that stuff these days and think they're being radical a hundred percent it's been done it's been done decades before and it's still fun i've got no problem with it it's but, a lot of fun but, but don't pretend know. that you're the one that's yeah yeah being radical <laughs> exactly. when this dude was doing it 50 60 years ago yeah 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 uh that's it so the again to the uninitiated could you the the goons it's fair to say that say sellers and millican were like these two often sparring geniuses seekum seekum is so underrated in that he's the guy that's sort of like harnessing the the, yeah, the, the, he's, the actually, th he's actually written most of it, nearly all of it, you know, on his own or with a writing partner. But he's, yeah, he's had to generate that stuff week by week, you know. Uh, to anyone listening, what would you, what, what, is there anything, if someone needs an entry level Millican, what would you recommend? As sorry, a Milligan, show. sorry. You start with the Goon Show. I would start with the Goon Show and I'd start with something like uh, the, the, the dreaded battered pudding. Earler of Bexhill on Sea, for example, which was one of my favourite episodes. But pick any pick any old goon show, basically, from BBC right. Sounds. And after that, for an understanding of the man, I'd I'd I'd, I'd hit his, I'd hit his autobiographies, which are amazing. Like you know, Hitler, my part in his downfall, all that kind of stuff. And there's some of the same jokes, some of the same jokes you see, he puts in both. But you understand a bit more about the man, I think. Has he inspired you in any ways? Because yeah, I imagine... he does. He does regularly. Yeah, if I'm a bit blocked or a bit stuck, I will. I will often turn to the goons or turn to Spike because I could never do what he does. But there's such kind of wild abandon, or what seems like wild abandon, in his writing that that can sometimes make me think. All right, forget this, forget that, forget about editing before you've even written. Forgetting about judging whether or not this is good enough or whatever, just get something down, whatever it is, just th throw it onto the notepad and uh, spike above it. Anything else can, can get me out of that funk and get me just putting something down. 
Oh, that's great. That's I mean, that's great life advice as well, actually. Uh, right, green gig, phenomenal. Has there been an incident at a gig that you would love to replicate at this one? Ooh. Oh, oh, crumbs. That's tricky. Oh, that's hard. I don't know because the really nice gigs where you're having a really nice time in the green room and the the audience are lovely. They always have a slightly unique vibe, don't they? Because there's a unique clutch of people on the bill and it's feels good, but it just it just it just feels good in that way that is quite hard to hard to replicate and also is less memorable somehow as well than uh a gig with a catastrophe. There'd be lots of gigs that I wouldn't want to replicate in any way, shape, or form. Well, the problem is that mo- the gigs that I, where the, where there's been an ev- an event, have have also often resulted in in in, in me feeling not necessarily particularly safe, <laughs> which is which is something I don't want. Like for example, there is a county in this nation that I won't name uh, that I. I don't gig in anymore because there was a period where I gigged in it quite regularly. You know how that can sometimes happen. There's just some spot you keep finding yourself returning to a lot. Uh, or I just, every gig was a disaster. And at the last gig I went there, uh, the the principal heckler, and there were a few, but the principal heckler uh, threw me down a set of stairs. And I thought, I'm, and that's when I decided up, I'm, I'm, I'm something wrong about, <laughs> I'm not coming back here. I'm done. You know, but these are the things that I, I mean, and I can remember a gig in, in Dublin where I, I, I briefly had the feeling that maybe upwards of 400 people were going to, uh, to tear me limb from limb, that kind of room full of stags and hens. That I'd been, I think I'd probably been booked there as part of a sort of clerical era in some way. It was, it was, because I hadn't, I mean, this is, this is at least 13 years ago, something like that. I think someone had accidentally put me into clothes by mistake and whoever had been on before they'd, they'd done a good job but it was very staggy henny weekend kind of thing they're all sticking to kind of short form stuff bit of banter putting out fires it was skillful lots of very local stuff as well and I just wasn't I just I had all I had was a pocket full of whimsy which they didn't <laughs> want to hear at all because they want to move on to the next section of the the night anyway but there's the front row as one of the many hen groups was uh, Irish hen group that were just, I was getting heckling from the get go. They didn't like it. They didn't want it, but they were just staring at me, occasionally muttering something to one, one another and staring at me. And all the way through, I'm, I'm struggling with the rest of the audience who really think what I'm doing is a complete toss. And they're staring at me and there's just such viciousness in these stares. It eventually gets to the point where this is where I made the mistake. I asked them, you know, What's wrong? Because everyone else is voicing their concerns. You're just staring at me. And it turned out what they were disgusted by was my appearance. They thought I was physically repellent. They were disgusted by the moustache. My hair was a bit longer and shaggy. My clothes were maybe a bit scruffy because they were kind of dolled up to the nines. This was kind of like, this was super glam, uh, kind of uh, tan in a bottle kind of Hindu. Like all of them had sort of platinum blonde hair kind of completely rigid and i should have just ignored because not the rest of the audience they can't see this but right? they don't know this is happening all they can see is the back of the heads the, the back of the heads just look like a you know a sort of series of blocks of cheddar cheese that have been left out in the sun do you know what i mean it's just this shiny yellow is all they can see they can't see the scales and 
but then they they piped up that that was why they didn't like what was happening was because I was physically repellent. But then that turned things around because the rest of the audience who hated me because I was shit, they then remonstrated with this Hindu saying, no, it's got nothing to do with that. We don't care that he looks gross. He's shit. And that's why we don't like him. And that weirdly, then they, I was, because I was such an underdog at this point that then brought the audience on side to me for about 30 seconds, I would say. And I thought, <laughs> okay, I think I can take this home. But at that point, too late in the day, a quite sleepy English Hindu at the back of the room decided to pipe up and try and come to my defence on all fronts. And absolutely the last thing anyone wanted in this room was to be told what to do by uh, an English Hindu. For sure. Sorry. No, it's not. It's not happening. Not here. You know, <laughs> and uh, and I genuinely, I genuinely thought a brawl was going to break out because the, you had like like groups shouting at each other across the room. This Irish group at the front of hands, this English group at the back, a couple of stags in the middle shouting at each other, and getting so confused. And um, yeah, and I th there was no exit other than the exit that the audience needed. There was all there was was a sort of decommissioned disabled toilet at the side of the stage. Yeah, oh, just like Mike. a sort of like a windowless room that I could I could go into when I came off stage. And I thought, well, I've got. I mean, there's literally no escape apart from a, a vent that a, a vole could fit down, but I can't. So if they do come for me, <laughs> it's over. Oh my god! You know. I waited in that toilet for quite a long time until, until I went. So you locked yourself in the toilet until everyone had basically. Oh, there's no the lock. It was just a room. Do you know oh, what I mean? Oh, my God. And luckily, no one came a battering. But it was. Uh, but it, I, was, I was amazed a fight didn't break out because there was genuine, like, shit slinging going on between these groups, all of whom were sort of, you know, cocaine and boozed up to the eyeballs. So, yeah, in terms of incidents, when I think of an incident at a gig, that's what I think of. That's what I think of as an incident in a gig. And there is no, I, I didn't pick up a stag and throw him to the ground and, and win the gig over. I've never done that. I mean, I will try that now that I've heard that that works sometimes. Sure. Of course I will. We all will. So the the, the incident where someone threw you down the stairs, I mean, that is, that's, I mean, obviously, yeah, he, that was a guy who couldn't stop heckling. Like he couldn't. I think he must have been full of. You know the cocaine heckler that is relentless. Like the boozy heckler will eventually tire, or someone will tell them to shut up. The cocaine heckler can't stop. And I think he was one of those, and he just wouldn't stop through the gig. And even when I come off stage, I was trying to leave, and it was kind of the upstairs of this sort of big sort of pub complex, building up these sort of steep wooden stairs, followed me out and kept going and kept going. I was trying to tell him, "Look, mate, it's over. It's done." Just gave me a big old shove and uh, found myself at the bottom of East Stairs. Were you okay? Just, I was a bit bruised, otherwise okay. But, I mean, he was still he was still stood at the top of the stairs looking triumphant, doing that sort of... And I thought, I don't... I mean, you, you're obviously full of cocaine. I'm not a fighter. You've got more tenacity in you tonight than I do. I just want to go home. Thanks very much. I'm just, I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm not going to come back to this county was my response um yeah so the, so where this fantasy gig takes place yeah is 
we'll make sure that the Tommy Field for that night hasn't been magically transported to this. No, we'll leave it. Leave particular. the Tommy Field exactly where it is because I love that bit of London anyway. I'm very fond of it. Good for pacing. It's great for pacing. If any of the gang, if Victoria, Dave, Karen, everything want to pace, they can pace. Lovely, oh, nice you know, pace. lovely food and drink downstairs. I mean, it's perfect setting. And then the little intimate, intimate little, intimate little gig upstairs, and away we go. Now, the 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 penultimate question is: Is there a, is there an incident from a gig that must not happen? Oh right, I imagine we, we've covered that. We may have covered that. Yeah, I don't want anyone being followed out of the room. Uh, and that maybe the incident that you would love to happen is those beautiful gigs, the perfect nights. Why is it that when you wake up the next day, they're gone forever? But the but the moments where the guy throws throws it downstairs, that's sort of like part of oh, your. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that yeah. all about? That's so the the horrible bits in your DNA forever. But the the nights where you feel like and they're you... quite concrete and and discreet as well, and you can yeah they're crystallized, whereas the other sort of more mushy, warm feeling that doesn't lend to a good anecdote in any way, shape, or form is but is much more pleasant. That's so, and um, also because my poor wife, I don't know you, but like the day after, I might have said to my wife, "Oh, last night was oh no one wants to hear that." It's one of the one of the best. I think it's one of the best nights of comedy. Yeah, no one wants to. You know, it's like what, someone telling you about about their dream, or what, yeah, and it's the same kind of. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I've actually got some kind of things to do. Like the MOT, you've got to get there in twenty minutes. And you just shut yeah. up. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Wife throwing herself through a pane glass window. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even uh, been installed. She's just got a set of them in the back garden that she needs just to just to take the edge off. <laughs> Uh, very, very good. Right. So the last question: How do you, how do you, Mike Wozniak, how do you unwind after a gig? Um. Well, like a lot of people, I suppose, it just um. I, I parkour the rooftops of the city I've just played. Sure. Until I'm tired enough to fall asleep on a steeple gutter. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's a cup of tea in a Premier Inn, and it's uh. <laughs> Potluck terrestrial telly. <laughs> Press a couple of random numbers, whatever's on, on, right? Nice. You might be in the, you hope you're in the middle of a poirot. You might be in the middle of, uh, you know, Alabama's worst living rooms. You might be a documentary about a sort of reclusive truck driver in Alaska. I don't know what it, whatever it is. Yeah. But one of the two, basically. Oh, God. One I remember. I remember after a gig going back to a premiere in and potluck terrestrial telly, and it was a it was a documentary about I think it was like a, a, a haulage company. Brilliant. But it was oh it was it was not for me, but it was like the only option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I find some yeah, perverse pleasure in, in that. Just you know, serve me up. Serve me up, entertainers, commissioners. Let's see what you got randomly. Sure. So are you, so you're, you're one of those people that are able to have a cup of tea last thing at night and then you can go to sleep. Oh God, nothing will ever stop me going to sleep. I can, I can sleep anywhere at any time in any conditions. It's not an issue at all. So jealous. There was a brief period in my early twenties where I was quite the insomniac and barely slept for quite a long time. But since then, I mean, I've just, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. It could be, it could be on a bed of broken glass and nettles, in the in the eye of a hurricane. I'll I'll nod off. I'll be fine. 
that is the 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 was fans listening and will feel like they know you that little bit better what a lovely bit of intel yeah anywhere anytime i'm so but it's voluntary as well mercifully at this stage of my life it's still voluntary (laughs) (laughs) face down in a birthday cake uh that could be coming yeah uh, mike we we, we cannot we cannot thank you enough. Thank you for your generosity of time, we, Tim. And, uh, you know, it's been nice to hang out again because it's been a while. I'll have to come back to the Tommy soon and uh, hang out some more. I've got no new material. I'll need to. I mean, that's enough of an excuse to write some new material. It's just so I can come down and hang out and be in Kennington for a bit. We can't wait to see you again, IRL, as the kids say. And, yes, and obviously, uh, we were any chance to replicate that Zusa run with whatever that may be in the future. We Tim and I look forward to it with with arms wide open. Me too. Much love. Huge and heartfelt thanks to the great Mike Wozniak. Tim Lewis, what is your favourite Wozniak memory? Easy. Easy, easy, easy. I think think for the first time ever, perhaps, I think we've got the same memory. It has to be. It has to be. Hang on a minute. I'm going to write down... I'm going to... This doesn't work given it's a, a, a an audio format, but just to, this this. Oh, I'm not. I'm, okay. Right, pen is down. I've got. I might have talked myself out of it now, but anyway, your favourite memory. This is quite generally the bi-monthly Wozniak previews at the Tommy Field. I've got it wrong. Oh no! What have you I've said? got it wrong. What you said? Do you know what I've written down? I mean, it's sort of the same, but it's well, not. Well, well, photo gags. That was that is actually my next bit. It is the photo. It's the photo shoots. We, we every time Wozniak came to always be comedy. I think there are a couple of times we probably forgot or didn't do it for whatever reason. But um, if you, I think they're all on our Instagram, aren't they? We we had a running gag where myself or Tim would have a preposterous post-gig photo taken with Mike Wozniak. And uh, dare I say it, they're funny. Oh, they're great. It, honestly, I loved thinking up, well, what are we going to do next? <laughs> but genuinely, every I, every Monday and Tuesday, first Monday and Tuesday of the month, I was like, right, we've got to, we've got to better this one. We've got to do better and better. Loved it. Wozniak always nailed it. And also, every time... So the picture will be taken with then, I know this is quite self-indulgent, but if you go onto our Instagram, I promise this wasn't a ploy just to get more Instagram followers, but if you go on there and you scroll down, you will find them. And so you, and you, you, so you might think, all right, I, I appreciate what they're talking about. I mean, now that we're here, it, it, it has turned into a social media plug. Uh, to follow us across the socials, we are at always the comedy. Tim, what are you on the socials? Uh, on Instagram, I'm Tim Lewis, Tim Lewis. On Twitter, I am... Tim Lewis underscore. What about you, James? I am at James Gill Comedy. Uh, have a wonderful week. Uh, I know I say I know we say this a lot, but thank you very very much. Um, we're, we're we're very grateful. So uh, if you come to an ABC gig, uh, and some of you have been doing this, please do come over and say hello. Thank you all very much. Have a great week. Take care. <laughs>